boys hit this one, Miles. Great shot. Oh, it's a biggie. Straight over the top. The cricket nuts. You are listening to The Cricket Nuts, a podcast where we sit down and talk about a host of issues around cricket, the sport we all live and love. You should expect our views to be passionate, honest, emotional and adequately analytical. On this show, you will hear Jay, Uday and myself, Bishan, a motley crew from the fields of law, hospitality and marketing, thrash it out on our common passion. Hello everyone, good day and welcome to the first episode of our podcast where we discuss all things cricket and sometimes things non-cricket as well. With me is Uday and Jay. We're a bunch of sports bots who think we can sound like experts. Um, we'll introduce ourselves quickly for you. My name is Bishan Jaswant. I'm a lawyer by profession, but used to work with ESPN Cricket Info as a statistics sub-editor. Also used to do and even do sometimes now regular columns on sport. Used to do a weekly one called The Number Nut for Sports Star. Um, handing over to Jay. Hi, this is Jay, long-time sports buff and uh, been in marketing management for a while. Uh, trying to bring some thoughts to your mind that are not going around otherwise. All the best. Hi guys, this is Uday. Been a huge cricket fan since the 80s, possibly from the 87 Reliance World Cup. And uh, yeah, love all things cricket. I own a restaurant and just enjoy every every form of cricket. Okay, so that's a little bit about us. Being the T20 World Cup season, we thought it would be a good time to look back at what the best T20 teams have been over the last few years. And maybe the first step to that discussion is to discuss the Cricket World Cup, the World T20 that started 2007 and has now become as big as it has, I suppose, partly due to India winning that first episode and giving birth to the IPL subsequently. So let's, let's, let's discuss the relevance I'd say, of the T20 World Cup and the impact that it has on our minds in determining which the best T20 teams going around are. Jay, would you like to kick that off by giving us your thoughts on the T20 World Cup and the best teams? Absolutely. As far as the T20 World Cup is concerned, 2007 was a watershed year for India, where we ended up winning it. Like you rightly said, Bishan, uh, it actually gave a lot of... Uh, impetus to the IPL, because when IPL came, nobody knew what to expect of IPL. The T20 World Cup, India winning the T20 World Cup, in fact, uh, got IPL on the fast track almost instantly. So as far as the best teams are concerned, I think, has, has pretty much been in sync with uh, what has happened in T20 as well. So we haven't had too many surprises, we haven't had too many disappointments as well. So Uday, if I had to, uh, let, let's say as a pop quiz, who do you think has which team do you think has been in the most T20 finals? What would you? What was the first team? I'd say uh, Sri Lanka. Who would you say? I would say West Indies. It is in fact Sri Lanka. They have won one World Cup, and I I, I didn't think Sri Lanka would be an obvious answer for the reason that for many years now yeah. we haven't thought of them as a top T20 team or a top team in any format. But they've been to three finals more than any other team has. So, Uday, since you uh, did say Sri Lanka. Maybe you want to tell us a little bit about, I guess you think they're a decent team, which is why they, it came to your mind. Yeah, I, I think Sri Lanka, have, uh, at least in, in the initial days of T20, really cracked the code. Uh, they had uh, they had swashbuckling uh, Dilchan to open. Uh, not sure if Jayasuri actually played uh, the initial T20s, but Dilchan was a real force. Sangakara, Jayavardhane, they had, uh, they, they had some amazing finishers also uh, down the order. Uh, 
and 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 who i consider as the best t20 bowler i've seen malinga i think malinga's influence on t20 as a whole and sri lankan cricket have been just huge i think he was he was in part responsible for their their rise in t20 cricket and for them winning the world cup that they did and of course they had the share of mystery bowlers so sri lanka had a great team um, maybe up to the last couple of years where they kind of been in decline and flown under the radar Yeah, almost yeah. always yeah, yeah 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 so can we can we call a team the best t20 team and obviously the last maybe 15 years or so since this format has been around if they haven't been a force in the t20 world cup in the world t20 for example england in one day cricket till they won the last world cup yeah. they may have been multiple finals in the past but they hadn't really won a world cup and so we never considered them or called them a top odi team So can we consider teams like say Australia today who are by all accounts a very good T20 unit with the bowling attack they have whether it's Stark uh, Cummins uh, Hazelwood Zampa and they are batting with uh, Smith and Warner and Finch and what not is by all accounts a pretty good team but would we consider them a top T20 team Yeah the Australians uh, they are they are in fact a top team in all forms of cricket and that's that's how their system is for them to adapt to a t20 like how they got the the big bash league uh, kicking so the aussies will always be a very very good team but as far as their adaptability to certain conditions are concerned i think t20 cricket also lends itself to to the vagaries of cricket so therefore we have those issues with the australians but otherwise uh, you know the australians will always be a fantastic unit that's basically because of the cricketing system they come from on the other end of the spectrum is west indies who are the only team to have won the T20 World Cup two times right and many teams like south africa new zealand haven't even made a final and west indies have won two world cups would, would would that put them in contention to be the best t20 team ever in the last 15 years since the format has been around uh, possibly if you possibly yes looking at the uh, their approach to the game they've had uh, i mean if you look, if you look at the 2007 uh, a world t20 the first one the impact that gale had with that 100 he scored of course they went on to lose that game but then uh, the the kind of power hitters they have the, the fielding and, the, and and they've had their share of mystery spinners in narayan and a couple of others but i think yeah westlies seem to have cracked the code in terms of uh, at least at least in terms of uh, in terms of their batting i'm not so sure in terms of their bowling and uh, even though they won two world cups i wouldn't still call them the best team to have played although the results might speak differently what do you think vishnu so for me i think to be considered the best team in the format you have to have ha- had to have had one enough of world tournaments mm-hmm. right the uh, pressure in world tournaments is definitely higher than what we have in bilaterals very often you're using the bilaterals as a testing ground for your teams to eventually play in the world tournament so mm-hmm. your success there is relevant and which is why i'd say over the last 30 years during our growing up years of watching cricket there's no doubt that australia was the predominant team of the era and that's largely because they won every world tournament there was year after year after year right 299 2003 2007 they really dominated that and there's no doubt that they were the best team and the second best teams during that time were also i feel judged by their performance in world cups and india during that period finalist in 2003 winning 2011 that decade is when india became to began coming into its own as well and so if for me in my mind performance in world tournaments is extremely important and because west indies have won twice 
I find it very hard, of course, to say that they are the best T20 team ever because they're very often a somewhat broken team, disunited, partly because of the doings of the board. Uh, they don't always get to play with their best team in tournaments across the world, in bilaterals especially. So for those reasons, it's hard to consistently call them the best team in the world. But when they want to put together their best 11, I think they have a best 11 that is as good as anybody in the world and could win on their day. That's right, because if you look at the ICC member countries, all of them have pretty good T20 leagues today. So, uh, uh, as far as the West Indies is concerned, yes, it's been a bit of a fractured, uh, uh, you know, uh, setup over the years. As far as their board is concerned, a lot of differences of opinions between the players and, and uh, you know, and, and the board, board administrators. But their uh, Caribbean Premier League has added hugely to their cricketing uh, prowess in T20 at least. Likewise, I think all the other teams have done the same. If you look at the Bangladesh Premier League, it's, it's, it's pretty much the same thing. The Sri Lankan uh, League also has done great uh, things to their T20 pool of talent. So, yeah, I mean, as, as far as the, the, uh, the prominence or the, the winning, uh, likelihood of winning the T20 World Cup is concerned, I think all these top ICC member teams have uh, a good chance of, of, of going into the last four. Uh, as far as the other teams are concerned, I think they all are giving uh, a, a pretty good account of themselves in the, in the matches that they have played so far. In fact, you know, uh, even the associate member, associate member countries, because of the format that lends itself to the brand of cricket that's required, all of them have a, a good chance of doing well. So it's, it's, it's going to be a very, very exciting time as far as the World Cup is concerned. And going forward, I think all these all these guys are going to fine-tune their uh, their cricketing progress in, in so many ways. Let's take this opportunity to maybe move into the next segment of this podcast. And while we have now discussed how t- which teams have done well in the T20 World Cup over these years, let's try to make an assessment of what makes these teams tick. What's the formula that's found uh, success for these teams? Because... We've seen all different kinds of teams succeed, right? We just spoke about West Indies who have clearly decided that it doesn't matter if you play out a few dot balls because we can uh, smoke the sixes towards the end. You've had Sri Lanka who were champions in 2014 who who based their team on guys like uh, Jayavardhani, Sangakkara, Thirmane, etc. who are a completely different brand of more solid, protective kind of cricket. So we know that all different uh, types of cricket uh, work. So let's maybe, of course, there will be some personal preferences that come in over here, but uh, it may be interesting to hear what we think, each of us think is the formula for success that that we have seen succeed with different teams. Uh, yeah, I, I think uh, batting heavy is still probably the way to go in a T20 game because uh, you, you definitely need those big, big runs to, you know, have a chance. So... While you uh, while you definitely need uh, strong bowlers, maybe the, uh, as we know, test match lengths don't really work in T20 cricket. You need bowlers who who, who probably are able to bowl the the uh, you know their variations more effectively and, and have a good short ball. And so so I'd still say slightly uh, slightly batting heavy with uh, with an assortment of some some mystery mystery spinners or, or out and out pacers who can who can vary their lengths. Uh, is the way to go for me from what I've seen. Uh, but uh, yeah, I'm happy to hear what Jay has to say. Yeah, I mean, as far as the uh, teams are concerned, team composition is concerned, I still still feel balance is the way to go. Balance because of the fact that uh, batsmen are anyway going to go 
uh, go bang bang in T20 cricket. And I don't believe, uh, I, or rather, I don't, I don't feel that you know any batsman needs to score high 50s or uh, big half centuries or even a, you know, uh, anything close to that. Even if they score quick runs in the 20s and 30s, I think a T20 team can be home and dry. As far as uh, the composition is concerned, I still feel balance is a way to go. So, see, there's no two ways about the fact that you can't have a bowling lineup that concedes 200 runs every match because Absolutely. then however good your batting is, you're not going to win that match more often than not. Absolutely. But, but we have seen different styles of batting work, right? Like we said, Sri Lanka, West Indies follow different styles. Both have been champions. Now, then I think the next step to consider is how long do you want your batting lineups to be? Many teams go top heavy yeah. and some teams decide to have a, a batting lineup that extends all the way up to 7-8. Do we need batsmen up to 7 and 8 in this format or can we do with a top heavy batting lineup with more bowlers so the way I see it is teams bowling attacks of teams that have won tournaments have not necessarily blasted the opposition out right whether whether in, when India won 2007 you had guys like R.P. Singh Joginder Sharma Shri Sant Irfan Pathan Yusuf Pathan that's not a world beating bowling lineup absolutely when 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 Sri Lanka won the World Cup, they had uh, they had guys like Senanayake, Herath, yeah. right, Kulasekara, etc. Again, who are not world-beating bowlers. Yeah. And West Indies, while while batting has been their strength, even they have had guys a lot of the time like Bravo and Brathwaite and Sammy who have who have taken the bowling along. So, yeah. but but what all of these teams had, in my opinion, is more than five, six, seven bowlers. Right, so that they didn't always have to have five bowlers bowling four overs each. There was always plenty of variety, a reasonable standard, but enough variety, which then means that you cannot have batting more often than not up till seven or eight. So, for me, that's the formula that works because it's T20 cricket. In 20 overs, you will usually not need your eighth batsman or seventh batsman to perform. So you can have a top-heavy batting lineup, but bowling at least six bowling options yeah. is 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 the formula that, in my mind, seems to work. More than not. If I were to be a selector, picking a T20 team, I would have my tail enders batting too. I would want even the number 11 batsman to be batting, uh, to be to be getting runs if it's uh, asked of him. So as far as I'm concerned, there has to be, uh, along with balance, the team really needs to bat deep. And deep till number 11. But Jay, if I can just maybe follow that up. How many matches do we see batsmen 9, 10 and 11 really have to contribute to make a difference? In a test match, yes, because you have unlimited overs and they can really contribute if they have the batting skill. That's right. In a T20 match, it's often one over, five balls or something like that at most. So, why why do you think the tail needs to bat? Well, I, I feel so because the, the uh, format doesn't call for long uh, stays at the wicket. But as far as uh, the, the game and the game, the way the game goes, uh, there would there will be situations where the team really would would have to bat deep bat deep in the sense that there could be a number 11 batsman who is facing uh, a scenario where he has to score 12 runs in the last over so he needs to put bat to ball every single ball that he is going to face he's going to he's, he has to whack it and so there has to be a, a, a culture in t20 cricket wherein because this is also coming from the fact that you had guys like dale stain uh, tear away quick uh, always bowled in the high 140s. 
not doing well with the bat in uh, on many occasions uh, for RCB, for instance, or uh, you know as far as the IPL goes, was was so many other on so many other occasions. So it's it's one of those things that uh, when you pick a T20 team, you need guys who who can do. I'm not saying they need to be like frontline batsmen at, at the at the uh, at the uh, fag end of uh, the innings, whether you're batting first or batting second, but they need to contribute. So we so we need guys who are your main bowlers, batting and and getting runs towards the end as well. Udair, to close out the segment, your views on this, just to... Uh, does... The, if the lower order has to bat, right, it then means that at some level you have to compromise on the bowling because if you have two bowlers, one is a slightly worse bowler than the other but can bat and other one is a top quality bowler but can't bat, uh, if Jay was selector, Jay would pick the guy who can bat a bit. So, which at some level, you, if we if we do that consistently, we will compromise on the bowling. Do you think that works in T20? Because we discussed earlier, maybe batting is more important in the format. What do you think? Yeah, well, I, I think while batting is important in the format, uh, as uh, as you said earlier, you cannot have a bowling unit which is uh, susceptible to giving 190 to 200 runs uh, during their, their, their bowling innings. So, I'd say... Um, it's definitely important to have at least six to seven bowlers, which could include two or three part-timers. In the batting, uh, I'm not sure if Jay would agree, and you guys might notice in many of the podcasts that Jay and I may not agree on something. But uh, in one of the uh, one of the one of the aspects that I think that the batting needs is just one one solid batsman around whom the other batsmen go up. So you, it is a format essentially where everybody has to go slam bang in the batting, but. I've noticed in the 2007 World Cup, for example, the role Gautam Gambhir played, or in the 2014 World Cup, or rather was it the 2016 World Cup, the role that Marlon Samuels played. I think you need you need a batsman who's going to be your rock solid player around whom the rest of the batting goes slam bang, and you need and you don't really necessarily have to have a batting lineup that extends all the way up to eight or nine. If if your top seven or eight can do the job, you definitely need a bowling lineup where at least six to seven of your players bowl. That's extremely important, is my view. Okay, so on that load note, let's try and move into the next segment of this podcast, which is, and we may get, get to delve a little bit into individual players in this segment. Why have certain teams not done well in T20 cricket and why, while certain others have succeeded? Is it because they haven't got the formula right? The formula we've been discussing in the last segment? Or is it because they just haven't had the players to execute formulas? What is it? To give an example, we would have expected Australia, the predominant force of the last couple of decades, to have made more than just one final, one T20 World Cup final, which they lost. Right. So that that's clearly a format in which they've underperformed. While teams like West Indies, even Sri Lanka, who are by no means in the last 15 years the dominant forces in cricket generally, they've succeeded. So. Is it because they just haven't had the players? Do we need specialist players for the formats? Australia just haven't had the people. Same for South Africa and New Zealand. What is it, Jay? Well, as far as uh, Australia are concerned, uh, they've always had a good team. But uh, why, if, if you really ask why they haven't been able to reach the finals or uh, win T20 World Cups, it's purely because of the fact that on the day, they've been beaten by slightly better teams who played better on that day. As far as their... Uh, Team composition is concerned. You always see them at the at the, at the opener. The you always see the openers. Uh, one one of them going bang bang, and the others kind of trying to play a slightly conventional kind of cricket. I have not seen a single Aussie team that really plays T20 the way T20 should be played. 
So uh, though, gone are the days of, uh, I, I remember Adam Gilchrist's time when uh, they used to go uh, reasonably okay till Adam Gilchrist, uh, they, I think he used to open the innings in T20. So that's, that, that's something that they had. Today, I think apart from uh, David Warner, I don't think they have guys who can do exactly what these guys used to do. What do you think about uh, Maxwell? Glenn Maxwell, yes. I mean, it's it's again. See, the the format doesn't really allow you to be yourself all the time, to express yourself the way you want to do uh, do express yourself. Therefore, I think none of these teams are uh, unbeatable. And why the Aussies haven't come thus far? Uh, not done justice to their billing, justice to their uh, uh, you know inherent cricketing talent. It's purely because of the fact that the other countries have caught up with uh, the format better than the other. I'll probably just add to what Jay said. Uh, just that I, I think in Australia's case as well as possibly in the case of New Zealand, uh, while batting while batting has more or less been their forte, I think in terms of their bowling, I don't think they have they've had a sense of uh, mystery or they've really looked at developing their bowling to the T20 game. Uh, while yeah, Mitchell Stark is. Is, is a great Yorker specialist and, and has the pace required, for example. You don't really see a bowler who's going to instill that kind of fear in, in, the, in the opposing uh, team where they, where, where they feel, okay, we're going to struggle to get to a particular score against this bowling lineup. And the same applies to New Zealand too. I, I feel both Australia and New Zealand haven't really sorted out their bowling issues over the past few World Cups. And that's... That's one of the main reasons I think that they have not really succeeded. I, I don't see real concern in terms of their batting, but uh, the bowlers are mixing up their lengths or, or an assortment of slower deliveries or, or just that just that uh, uh, unknown quality I think is missing in both in both the Australian and New Zealand bowling lineups. What do you think, Bishan? I think I have a couple of points to make here. One is my sense is that Australia have not taken T20 cricket as seriously as some of the countries across the world have. I mean, sure, they have the Big Bash, which is a, a, a strong uh, franchise-level T20 tournament. But the country in general, I don't think, has accepted it as a, as a format that really tests your mettle in which they really want to be world number one. And uh, that, that, that's, I, I think that's part of the reason where you see players being rested yeah. and haven't given them given themselves the opportunity to build T20 specialists. If you look at the lists of uh, top players, top run scorers, top wicket takers in a T20 World Cup, you will see it filled with players from Pakistan and Sri Lanka, whether it's Mendes or Malinga, Omar Gul, Saeed Ajmal, uh, right? You will find very few Aussies, South Africans, New Zealanders who are in, in the top few in those lists. Yeah. And... I suppose a part of it is to do with having the personnel to attack the format yeah. and maybe they just haven't had, which is why they don't feature on these lists or haven't made an impression in world cricket. But two is wanting to succeed in that format and really taking it seriously. And surely that's changing over time. Uh, you you will remember the first uh, T20 that was played, New Zealand versus Australia, where they played in those weeks yeah. and uh, uh, retro clothing. That's, that's clearly no longer the case and yeah. everyone's taking it more seriously. The World T20... Uh, has more meaning. Many players are playing only the format. So I think you will see it change. But in my opinion, th th these are the reasons why you've 
seen some teams overperforming and some underperforming. Like West Indies have just taken the opportunity to come back to the world stage. They knew that it wasn't happening in Test cricket, One Day cricket. But here's a format where they could shine. So they took it seriously because they wanted to and they needed to. Yeah. But some countries didn't because maybe they didn't need to. Yeah, yeah. I think the uh, as as far as the the Australians are concerned, in spite of the Big Bash League, they have not been able to really uh, get up to speed with what's happening in, in T20 cricket worldwide otherwise. Part of the reason I feel is that even if you look at Big Bash League, you'll hardly see any uh, foreign players playing in the Big Bash League. You'll see a couple of Sri Lankans, a couple of West Indians, no Indians whatsoever. I think they have, yeah. I think they have a couple of Pakistanis. Where only, where only two international players can play. And Indians can't play there in yeah, cricket yeah, because yeah. the BCCI doesn't the BCCI give them a object. Yeah. 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 So the Australians haven't really caught up with the rest of the world as far as international T20 is concerned because they haven't been in a situation where they have, they are getting to see too many guys playing T20 in a in a in a league at, at home. Yeah. And uh, part of the reason, uh, the other part of the reason is that, like what Bishan said earlier, they haven't taken T20 cricket as something that uh, uh, that, that that they need to focus on because ICC mandates that you know uh, the, you you have T20 cricket as part of. As as one format of cricket, so therefore they play cricket. Therefore they play T20 format. Beyond that, they haven't focused on T20 as a format. I completely agree with Bishan on that. Okay, so let's maybe move into the last uh, segment of uh, today's podcast to discuss. Since we are now at uh, World T20 season, let's look forward to the next World T20 and maybe try to make an assessment based on what we have seen of who's going to win the next World T20, who are going to be the biggest teams, the best challengers. Uh, for that tournament, um, yeah, I think I think, the, I think Indians will always have an advantage when it comes to T20, thanks to IPL. And uh, as, as far as uh, the uh, the other teams are concerned, you will always see teams with a strong cricketing structure uh, getting into the last four in all T20 World Cups. So that it's just a matter of adapt, just a matter of adapting to to the conditions they're playing in. So I still feel Indians and the other top. Four to five teams would always be in the reckoning. Personally, personally, I'm quite happy to hear Jay talking about the IPL because I know how much he dislikes it. But, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think I think I I agree with him that India is always going to be a strong title contender. Um, West Indies always in my book, um, and and as the underdogs and and the ones that are always going to challenge uh, Pakistan for me look like uh, a perfect T20 team. They have. They have the wherewithal when it comes to their bowling, uh, the fantastic quality of Babar and uh, Pakar Zaman and 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 guys like Hafiz who contribute with both bat and ball. I think Pakistan are a fantastic team and always a force in every T20 World Cup. So I think they they're the team to always look out for. And I love the fast bowling talent that comes out of there. Just some amazing uh, bowlers and players coming out of there. Vishen. Yeah, to mention one team that uh, you guys didn't, which I thought deserved a mention, maybe was England. Uh, England, in my opinion, over the last five years, are the most improved limited overs format team. They've in the 2015 World Cup, at the end of that World Cup, uh, they got a lot of flack for their style of cricket and that it was outdated. And they really revamped the entire system to make sure that their white ball cricket is at par or better than the rest of the world. Uh, they got their success in the 2019 World Cup, the 50-over World Cup. Not maybe in the circumstances they would have wanted to, but they are on paper champions. Um, 
and even in T20 cricket, you can see that they play a brand of peerless cricket that I think no other team apart from maybe West Indies uh, do. And uh, I would say that England's approach has more method to it than West Indies does. It's more scientific in the, in the way they go about it. And I think it's a style that uh, Jay really appreciates, which is number one to number seven. Everyone goes slam bang. There's uh, nobody who's trying to slow the team down. And it, it so happens, they discussed in the previous segment as well, they have the personnel to execute that. Unless you have a Joss Butler, a Bairstow, a Jason Roy, a Moin Ali, a Morgan, uh, each of each one of whom can score a, a 15 ball 50. And so they, they have the personnel to execute that. So I think they're really a team that's uh, up there. And they also have, fortunately, a lot of all-rounders, which uh, in this format is extremely helpful because, again, something I touched upon earlier, I like to have variety in the bowling attack. And with people like Moin Ali and Sto Best, uh, Ben Stokes, who are really out-and-out -out batsmen, uh, they're extremely good bowlers as well. So that really gives you a lot of variety and adds balance to the team. So, And they have real raw pace as well when they want it. Guys like Joff Archer and Mark Wood are extremely, extremely quick. So I think they have everything that you'd want from a top T20 team. So I think they're a real force to reckon with. Apart from India, for the reasons that uh, Jay said with the IPL, you will obviously have a strong Indian team at all times. And I think India also has accepted the format. You can see that they're willing to send uh, two teams in different parts of the world to play different formats. So that India is a country who's accepted that that's the way the world is going to possibly go and to have specialists. So for that reason, for having adapted and embraced the format, India as well. So I think that's where uh, I'd sum it up. I'd just like to add that I'd, it'd be lovely to see uh, South Africa finally win an ICC tournament. Such a talented team over the years, which is... Uh, Sadly, lost players like uh, De Villiers and Fab Duplessis for various reasons. But to, to just see them perform well in this format would be good. They have they have the resources, uh, some good younger players. Hopefully, they'll have the mental strength to be able to, uh, you know, pass the finishing line sometime soon. But a very talented bunch of players, some great fast bowlers. And now Chamsi and uh, Maharaj being amongst the good slow bowlers also. I think I'm hoping that they'll come good in the World Cups to come. I think like what Bishan uh, rightly said, England's cricketing system has been a classical one. They have adapted very, very well to all the uh, new formats of cricket. If you look at the, the teams over the years, I mean, their, their whole cricketing system is, is uh, run around uh, the, 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 the fact that they need to play cricket uh, correctly. Barring names like Neil Fairbrother or, a, or, a, or an Ian Bottom much before that, we, we haven't seen too many batsmen coming out of of, of England that really throws the bat around. When a Ben Stokes does that, he does it with a lot of uh, method. So England will always be a force. England has got tremendous adaptability. They have got very good bowling, except in the spin department where they are woefully short of uh, both finger spin and wrist spin. I don't think the the ones that they, the the bowlers spin bowlers that they have uh, is going to make any impact in any T20 game. But yes, I mean, like uh, Uday touched on uh, the South Africans. There has been a decline in cricket overall in South Africa. I mean, all these countries, cricket is not the first sport, whether it's England, South Africa or, or Australia. They Cricket probably uh, have about 20% of the total uh, sport following uh, in, 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 all, in these countries. Possibly a little more than that with uh, teams doing better when it comes to Australia and England. South Africa has always flattered to deceive, like Uday said. Uh, let's hope that you know some some semblance of balance prevails in the cricketing world. India, of course, we all want India to win. That's a different matter altogether. 
but as as cricket lovers as sports lovers we need a, a playing field that is that is fairly even and we don't want to see one country pummeling the other country to submission that's not what we want to see we want to see a good game we want to see a good uh, good game of cricket a good game of t20 and let's hope that uh, uh, we get that on that note uh, let's draw close to this first podcast on the optimistic note that Uday left about uh, South Africa possibly winning the World Cup and uh, Jay, I think Adil Rashid may have something to say to you about uh, <laughs> their spin department. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure of that. Uh, yeah, that's, uh, yeah, I, I hope they pick it. Back with our next episode soon, guys. Cheers.